We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we are looking at the fifth episode of this series of Doctor Who, Oxygen, by Jamie Matheson. The Doctor is feeling a little bit restless. He wants to get back with space under his feet. And against Nardole's protestations, he takes Bill on a little jaunt to respond to a distress signal. When they arrive, they find themselves on an airless space station with spacesuits filled with corpses trying to destroy them. As the Doctor attempts to rescue the remaining members of the station, the relentless spacesuit zombies close in on them as their oxygen slowly runs out. In the end, the Doctor saves the day and is blinded for his troubles. The end. Okay, yeah, short synopsis. <clears throat> Well, but, but I think I think it was pretty accurate. Yeah, I think we got. Yeah, I mean, I think the key points are, of course, the the bits about, <clears throat> shall we say, capitalism, and uh, and we're hmm. bound to get to that. So, um, oxygen, Jamie Matheson. Um, what did you think? Are we five for five? I will say that we're five for five. Uh, but uh, the, the the phrase that came to my mind when thinking about this episode is inoffensive in space yeah all right i can go along with that um i guess by yeah okay yes i enjoyed the episode uh it was a fun episode um uh, i'm not blown away by the revelation that the doctor is blind because you know the whole get the whole oh you know they always reset it by the end of the episode haha and everybody's all wow real consequences but i think we've seen pretty clearly in the previews for later episodes that the doctor is not blind. I'm not sure so, what's going on. You know, um, he'll be blind for <clears throat> some of the next episode, if not all of it, but it will not last up till the end. I don't think I, you know, I kind of hope not. I mean, I, I've had some friends who, who watch it as well. I mean, they were asking me, uh, does this mean the doctor has all restarted to regenerate? And, and I, well, I don't think so. But the last thing that I want to see is baggage. And mm. I don't want this blind thing to become the baggage that becomes the MacGuffin causing his uh, eventual regeneration. I, I don't want that. No. Well, I think, all right, I'll speculate. I'll speculate. So he's got this thing. We know from the trailer that next time there's this thing and he's blind and it's a big deal. And we, he's going to have to let whoever's in the vault out to help him. That's what's going to happen. Most likely. And that's going to ultimately lead to his regeneration. I mean, the, the, there's, in my mind, no doubt whatsoever that the vault breaking his promise about Leaving the vault is what ultimately will kill him. I mean, that's just too classic formula in television and, and script writing. I mean, it, the vault is Chekhov's gun. Mm -hmm. It will kill him by the end, or it will be used by the end, if not sooner. But it's, you know. So I think, yeah, there's a little baggage there. So whatever's 
pushing him closer and closer to having to release the vault. We'll get him there anyway. So, but let's um, let's talk about this episode. Uh, Jamie Matheson, m- uh, Murder on Mummy on the Orient Express. Good episode. Um, flat, flat line. Flat also, line. I remember yeah. that one. Wasn't that was the one with the flat creatures? That was also him. Oh, that was fun. I I liked that one. Yeah, that one was fun. And then he had one of the two lousy episodes with a shoulder in it. Um, the first one, I think, the Viking era half of that story. That's right. Yeah, that one wasn't exactly the a girl who died, story. the woman who lived forever, or whatever. Yeah, yeah but- it would be the girl who died, the first one. Yeah. Um, but you know, hey, he's got two out of three good ones, and. Eh, a meh one. I thought this one was this one was really enjoyable. It was nice. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it as spectacular, but it was a good. It again, it felt like another throwback to uh, some of the classic episodes. And strange as it may sound, the, the one thing that it reminded me of was you know, and this is not exactly one of the the shining episodes of Tom Baker era, but I thought of the Sunmakers. Because here, because here we have another episode that's trying to make a political point. Right, right. Um, well, you know, uh, Sunmakers was Bob Holmes, and Bob Holmes was known for uh, heavily interjecting his political views into episodes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Sunmakers was his anti-taxation uh, episode, and and in a way, I guess you could call that capitalism run wild but a little crossover there with government taxation but yeah yeah this has definitely got a throwback feel to it to that very heavy stick and um, although i will admit the the approach on this one was a bit novel i mean the idea of the of oxygen i mean that's i mean that's something we just so take for granted being able mm -hmm. to breathe like that and then all of a sudden now it is a commodity well i mean you've heard people you've heard people joke about that already in this day and age you know think about the times when they started doing the oxygen bars in california uh because of pollution issues and clean air was going to become oh, a thing yeah not, not thank you for it, thank you for reminding me of that silliness you know but i mean people have made that made jokes like that oh you're going to start taxing the air you're going to start charging for the air i breathe and so that's so i mean there's a there's a um a logical uh extension that he's just taken and said okay why not um so all right so having established we like i'm I'm gonna go on with things i like about the episode for a little bit longer i thought it was really good looking for the most part Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly the outside scenes the space looked really good i mean yeah it was black but there was you know probably the best outside space stuff we've seen on Doctor Who. Um, the inside of the space station, well, we've kind of reached the point where they all look alike. Um, a bit, yeah. You know, the the art department of, of every show has kind of gone to this submarine look, almost. Yeah, it, it's easy. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of make more sense um, than, you know, big, bright, open, airy, Oh, like two thousand one, uh, two thousand one, Ark in space, um, Star Lost. You know. Whoops! <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's kind of um, this kind of um, and of course it's functional. 
This oh, is yeah. a mining station, so uh, all that was good. The spacesuits were um, interesting design, not quite the standard Doctor Who design, but pretty close. I, I love the, I absolutely love the idea of the force field. Yeah, that was a which, novel idea. You know, eliminates a huge problem that happens on TV, and that is you don't want to put your actors in a space helmet. Because they can't, you absolutely have, have to. to. And now that now you don't, and this allows them to talk. It allows them to uh, emote to the camera. Yeah, it works great. And then you know, occasionally you have to put on the helmet, but it it gives you a it gives you an out for a lot of the time in the spacesuit. So I really like that idea, and it makes sense. You know, I mean, we have Star Trek: The Next Generation. They use force fields to contain air all mm-hmm. the time right. when they have hull breaches and shuttle bay and and all that sort of stuff and yet they don't carry that onto the spacesuits you know interestingly enough though and i don't know why i thought of this there was a really really i mean this is not the first time i've seen uh the idea of the force field uh for a helmet uh in in doctor who i've seen this done once one more one at the time years ago one of the trashiest i mean just god-awful bad science fiction films and it was about Star Wars. No, oh, sorry. No. Go ahead. No, no, uh, no. This goes. Uh, I'm talking. Ooh, I, I want to say there's like 1950s B black and white science fiction. A bunch of astronauts go to the moon, and in so I think in their case, this was not for any artistic value. This was just so they could save themselves a ton of money because this movie was like made with you know two dollars. And that is, they did have helmets, but there was no glass. Yeah, was, was they, it supposed to be a force field, or was it just? It was a force field. Be, oh, okay. It was just supposed to be. There was glass there. It's like you know, like George Reeves' um, glasses on the Adventures of Superman. Oh, no, no, no lens. glass in there. Yeah. Just you know, it reflects. No, th- this was actually. Uh, I mean, it was a helmet, and it was supposed to have supposed to be a force field. You know, and they made a, a point of you know of identifying this. So that it would lock the oxygen in, but this way you could still hear them very clearly, and you know it was it was done, it, w- it was a cheap story gimmick, and that came to mind as I was watching this. But I think Doctor Who did a far far better job. Yeah, what was the name of that movie? You don't I know? D- do you? I n- <laughs> no, it was it was bad, and it turns out that the creatures, who, the the native life that lived on the moon, they were gaseous like, and they communicated in a very very f- bizarre form of Japanese hieroglyphs. Interesting. Anyone out there, anyone at all listening to this podcast who knows what that movie is, answers on a postcard or comment on Facebook or our website. You'll get a shout out. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. You will totally get a shout out like six months from now. No, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah, that I, I'm, I want to see that film. I, I want to see that. You might like it. It's really bad. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure I'm complimented by that statement, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> the proof anyway. is in the pudding. Uh, so it is. Right. Um, let's see. A couple of other things. Obviously, the doctor and Bill's interaction in this episode was back up on par with oh. what we had in the first few episodes. Yes. And the doctor putting Bill in the... You know, a couple of times there where she was basically dying. You know, first time when the when she had to go out with a helmet, 
off, or she thought she was going out with a helmet off as the airlock was cycling. Um, you know, how, how would that, how would that, I mean, we've discussed this many times. Well, we haven't, maybe we haven't discussed this many times before, but if you're going as a companion with a doctor, obviously you're thinking, wow, this is going to be a lark. And you get out there and you're in real, you're in potentially danger. mortal danger. Yeah. But I don't know that it's ever been that visceral. Not like it was this time. No. You know, when, when that airlock was cycling and there was just nothing they could do and there was, you know, she couldn't pull the helmet up, they couldn't turn the airlock off, and there was just no way around it. That one was like, wow, this is, uh, this is, this is, I mean, she's really wet this in her pants kind of terror. Yeah. And, uh, and the question is, do they collect that and sell it back to you somehow? Ew. <laughs> you know, you had to go to there. That's, well, so, that's so Dune. No, no pun intended there, but yeah, had to go there. And uh, <laughs> and then later on, of course, when the doctor left her behind and because the suit wouldn't move um, and he wouldn't tell her a joke. Right. Even though she thought that he was, you know, always tells a joke to, to hide her and then he doesn't tell a joke. I thought that was an interesting insight when she goes, you didn't tell me a joke. Is that good or bad? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm not even sure as an audience member uh, I knew whether that was good or bad. Because obviously she wasn't dying. We know she's not dying. We've well, seen her in no, the previous we, we episodes. We know that, but. and he, he also assured her that he, would, that, that he would see her through this. Even though he's blind. I will well, he, see you later. No, yeah. you won't. <laughs> no, you, no, you're not going to see her at all. But, no, but you know what I mean. He, he was right. clearly indicating, you know, you're going to go through hell, but you'll come through it. So there was already an understanding that she's, she's going to make it. But those could have just been words to calm her down. And then, and then maybe putting the joke in there would be to um, take away any seriousness. I mean, you know, that, 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 and I'm not, I'm not condemning this little bit. It's a good bit where, you know, she criticizes the doctor for making jokes and now he doesn't make one. So now we don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously Bill's got to live because we know she's going to be in the next few, you know, to the end of the series. But if you just lock yourself within the confines of this story, I mean, it's a scary thing. What is going to happen to her? And Mm -hmm. so, and and they they played it off really well. In fact, they gave us a really good bluff as a result of it. So all told, you know, I, I really was wrapped up in it. I was, for the most part... I was wrapped up in it, and, um, you know, it was tense, had great witty dialogue, had real sense of urgency, had real danger. I absolutely unequivocally say this episode is, you know, makes this five for five for this season, and it's one of the better episodes this season. I don't know, I haven't quite, in my mind, placed Hmm. them in what order I'd want to put them in, Hmm. but definitely definitely up there on the higher end of the five well it but well i i don't know if i put it the higher end of the five i mean i liked it better than last week's i don't know where i'd rate it but the the simple fact is is that they're five for five and i think this is unheralded i think that's true but here is well okay unheralded until you go back to uh i don't know maybe uh tom baker and liz sladen's second well, See, let me rephrase that. Yeah. It, it's, it's. I mean, we we have not seen this 
since the show came back. Yeah, absolutely. There, there have been clinkers. Yeah, we have. We haven't seen something. We haven't seen this string of quality um, for a long, 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 long time. So here's the thing. Last week, I mentioned that the special effects, and it, again, it wasn't that they were bad. It's just what they were trying to convey because it didn't work. Kind of pulled me a little bit when the bugs would be walking through people's feet and things. Right. And and so there were like these little niggles and I would be like kind of niggling a little bit like, well, if that guy's old, I had a heck of a lot of niggles when I was watching this episode. Really? A lot. And the second time I watched the episode, I had a whole lot more. Hmm. And they don't, they don't ruin the story for me, but I feel this is one of those times where I say, you know, maybe another pass through the through the continuity filter would make sense because for example if the whole premise is that that is a space station that has no atmosphere on it why does it have airlocks why do they have to cycle the airlocks why does it have pressure doors mm. um w- why aren't they in hard vacuum the doctor says oh you can't go out in space because of the hard vacuum without the helmet well they should be in hard vacuum they already. The, they vented the station. They popped the doors open. If the TARDIS hadn't jammed it shut, and and if they hadn't, you know, sealed off those sections with the pressure doors, the entire station would have been in vacuum to begin with. Unless, so unless what's they're it filled with, if it's a non-oxygen gas. That, that's going to say it. It could be just void of O2. But why? I know. That's. I know. It's. It's right. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that did start to kind of every time we'd see something with the pressure doors and the and and the pressure this and the airlock there and I'm like but but the whole premise is here that in this universe they aren't going to give you that stuff and then there are other ones like oh my gosh the station's filled with all suddenly filled with a ton of valuable unauthorized oxygen let's blow it into space then after you fail to blow it into space he goes yeah I guess I'll just take that back in and resell it to you eh mm. Right? I mean, so it it was those points. I mean, I know it's making a very, very pointed satire at capitalism. And at a level, it works. I mean, the whole solution is a capitalistic solution. and But at some other levels, it's like, you know, I'm not sure I even understand why they bothered to put people out there in the first place if the suits can do stuff. Because we saw the suit doing stuff. We saw it stacking boxes, although I'm not entirely sure what the purpose behind that was, but, you know, it was just to demonstrate to us that the suits could behave autonomously. They demonstrated that the suits had intelligence to them that could learn and develop by uh, solving the problem with uh, opening the lock, uh, figuring out the missing section of the space station, um, all sorts of things that the AI and the suits were capable of doing. So, therefore, why would you have sent people in the first place? And does Nardole need oxygen? Isn't he a robot? Uh, technically, well, the head needs, I think the head would require. Be, be, uh, I'm kind of wondering. The head's still I mean, organic, isn't it? I don't know. They haven't actually. Haven't said anything. The body, I believe, is mechanical. He, he said something about his face being changed. That's true. Which made me think they were the whole thing was a, a replacement. I, I don't know. That was just the first. There's a lot about Nardole we don't know. Yeah, yeah. So that one was. I, I was thinking that. I was like, couldn't it be? Would it be cool if Nardole could just run around and we without the suit, but then he wouldn't be in the same in the same danger. 
that they are. So, yeah, I mean, they ship the people out there, and then when profits are down, they just go, eh, kill them, and we'll send out another ship. It's like, yeah, it, it was those things, those things just, you know, on, particularly on second viewing. Um, on first viewing, I was thinking, like, why would you vent the oxygen? That was the first thing. It's like, if you're selling oxygen, because we knew that from the previews that they sold oxygen. So it was, you know, first thing you do, vent the oxygen, you go, why? Why? It's a, it's a, you're in space. It's a valuable commodity. And, um, uh, of course, the joke about health and safety. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, which I enjoyed. I mean, um, I, think, I think the British probably enjoy it more than we do. Because I don't think, and I don't know, maybe, maybe, this is, maybe this is not as true as I think it is, but I feel like it's true. Um, health and safety, the department, as opposed to whatever it is around here, which I don't, OSHA? Uh, OSHA's one, yeah. Yeah, um, OSHA doesn't have much sway anywhere. I mean, do you really, anywhere you ever work, encounter any kind of OSHA situation? Um, not it's on shop floors and union shops that you see. Yeah, OSHA. OSHA I, I, the, the biggest OSHA. Comp- yeah, um, in warehouses, uh, industrial areas, um, OSHA's had. Which a, I guess this could be considered an industrial area. Yeah, but, and and but, OSHA, you know, OSHA has a big presence in theme parks as well. Well, and and that kind of makes sense. But you know, but in a regular office, you no. hear from Britain, you hear about health and safety all the time. I mean, just. And I'm obviously it's probably on the minds of television's executives because apparently health and safety has a huge, huge part to play on um, on television movie sets. So you know it would make sense that a writer of a TV show would take stabs at health and safety, but you just hear about it a lot more over there uh, that their rules are a lot more strict about what people can and cannot do on jobs and what can be called in. And this is true. I know this is true from Australia too. Uh, my friends in Australia tell me stuff that you just you wouldn't believe um, how strong the health and safety laws are. That if you know if they come in and they any workplace if they walk in and they see anything that's out of place, the whole place is shut down instantly. Mm. You just we close it until you fix it. No one is allowed to work here because that's just that health and safety angle, which you know obviously we don't have because we're true capitalists. And, <laughs> And therein lies the problem, right? <laughs> right? I mean, that was that's the part where it's like, ha ha, funny joke, can't pick her up, health and safety. <laughs> they wouldn't have that if they were truly, truly like, you know, the capitalist slugs in uh, the Sunmakers or the mentors of Thoris Beta or or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, again, it's well, a satire. And yeah, I, I was going to say way. that. It was fun. This is, this is uh, clearly an attempted satire, so... Uh, I think a lot of specifics and a lot of detail in terms of you know, continuity and scientific accuracy were just done away with just for the sake of being able to address this uh, satirical story. Yeah, I know. And I, I feel I mean, I actually genuinely feel bad picking on it for those reasons. But at the same time, I would be dishonest if I didn't say that they were pinging me in the head as I was watching it and and um, which did not detract from my enjoyment of it no it didn't take me out another part that bugged me was they have weapons you know halfway when we get out to the end 
and they're when Bill is unconscious and they're shooting laser weapons suddenly and blasting the spacesuits off into space. Um, why why didn't why didn't we just do that? Hmm. Why didn't they just go outside and shoot him into space? No idea. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yes, they were pointing guns at the doctor when they came in, and I, I wasn't really thinking about it. I figured it was like a projectile weapon or something, or, you know, something that wouldn't blow a hole through the, the walls. I didn't really think of them as laser guns. Uh, you know, something that would be ineffective against a suit. But even a projectile weapon, if it can knock them free of their magnetic boots, would be... Uh, an effective way of getting rid of them forever. True. Except for the two at the beginning that somehow tumbled back to the station, which was a cool sequence, right? The pre-credit sequence, two yeah. spacesuits, tum- space, the final frontier, two dead bodies tumbling, tumbling, tumbling back to the station and then landing there and killing the girl. And uh, it was like, yep, but how, what, how did they come back to the station i i I know why were they not on the station yeah yeah i mean yeah it's it's another one of those moments that's like okay you know some of the scientific accuracy mm, out the window but this you know and like we've seen uh in earlier episodes this season this isn't a this isn't a story that's really trying to be hard sci-fi and the science fiction is definitely taking a back seat to this satire that Jamie Matheson is is attempting to tell, and it it was it was clearly recognized as such, which is why I did not find it irritating when I saw little things like that happen. You know, and, and we've seen that with earlier episodes this year. You know, I said, okay, you know that, that I don't know if you do it this way. You know, there's just little points here and there in in the first four episodes, but because we were not trying to be a hard science fiction, I didn't find it. Irritating, right? And I'm like again, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not. It's not the hard science or the not hard science. It, it, there could be a there could be a perfectly logical reason um, why you know the station may exert some gravity. Their magnetic boots. Maybe they were out there for. I, I didn't get. A, I kind of got a feeling that this happened today. Did you? There, there was something about something that the that the uh, tasker or whatever the, the captain's name was that made it sound like this disaster had occurred this very day. Mm. Uh, so it hasn't, there hasn't been a whole lot of time to digest what was going on for them uh, either. But, you know, I, I, there, there could have been a reason uh, other than just it was an awesomely cool shot with the two bodies flying through space um, for doing that. So I'm not, it, it's, you know, that scientific accuracy is not really the thing i'm not bothered by that i it was i was more bothered by the inconsistencies in how capitalistic the company was that just kind of like yeah all right but then and then you wouldn't ch- and then no okay you know if you're going to carry through to be the rottenest meanest awful well first off they should have consulted donald trump <laughs> as to uh, what they would have done if he could have had his bigly way on on this thing but uh, uh anyway all right um what else have we got uh, on this episode? Because I don't, I don't want to pick. I, I don't want to pick. I really don't have much. Um, a I've, few nice speeches. Yeah, there, there, were, there were a couple of good speeches here. I mean, nothing like what we had uh, uh, with like thin ice or anything like that. Um, 
true face of the universe is when people are in distress. Yeah, and, I mean, nice little bits like that. Yeah, um, I I enjoyed Nardole's little um, protestations, you know, over the fact that they were getting ready to take off, and the doctor was like, you know, a bit bent out of shape at the fact that Nardole was there. Oh yeah, okay. I did want to mention something about that. The fluid link. So the doctor told Nardole that the fluid link was an essential piece that they could not take off without. Uh-huh. So Nardole removed the fluid link and sabotaged the TARDIS. So he thought. So he thought. And then the doctor takes off anyway because he lied about the fluid link being necessary vital- yeah. for the TARDIS to fly. Yeah, that's not the first time we've seen the doctor lie. Oh, that's more than that. Yeah. I mean, the doctor always lies, is what we were warned. Ah, but did you catch the the callback on that? That's the Daleks. It was the fluid link that the doctor told Ian and Barbara that the TARDIS couldn't take off without. Right. Oh, that's right. It does. That is a callback to the Daleks. Yes. Ooh, I I had forgotten that. So now the question is, because back when we watched the Daleks, you know, some people much earlier than others, there was never an answer to this question. The fluid link. We know the doctor sabotaged it on purpose. Mm-hmm. That we know, so that he could get his way. Right, because he wanted to. He wanted to investigate but the city. Did he sabotage something that wasn't necessary in the first place? Because you know, it's one thing when you sabotage your ship and you cannot leave because I want to go see what's in that city. So I will destroy a piece of my equipment so that I cannot leave, mm-hmm. and we'll just have to find it. And it's another thing altogether to. Just lie, lie about it and then have to go uh, experiment. Because one is far, far more nuts, which is destroying a thing that you actually, actually need. And I genuinely thought that the TARDIS couldn't fly without that fluid link. Um, I actually thought the Doctor was that alien in the Daleks. Uh, well, again, you we've had more than one occasion where there's been a call back to something in the past only to have it retconned mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. the 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 biometric controls i think it is uh oh, the isomorphic yeah that's it yes the isomorphic, the isomorphic controls. controls yeah turns out oh that's not true mm-hmm. and then another one that i seem to remember hearing was about how weapons could not be fired inside the tardis and then turns temporal out oh, grace yeah because of temporal grace turns out mm, that's not true I think temporal grace turned out to be sometimes, sometimes not. Yeah. Actually, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think that was what ultimately ended up on that one, but yeah. But there's, there's, there's been quite a few occasions of just completely retconning because the writer or RTD or you know, Grand Moff did not like this one thing that was there and thought, ouch, whatever. I'm, I'm going to completely undo that because I think it's stupid. Yeah, I just I just think it's interesting that you know we didn't have an answer to the original uh, question about the fluid link, and now we have a different answer. And it's like, well, is it the same fluid link? That was that is was it, another thought. It could be a different one. You know, <laughs> it's like, there, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of questions there, and it and it doesn't spoil the original, but it gives me something to think about as to whether or not the doctor was as nuts as I thought he was, or as devious, or. Again, alien, right? This is just something you would not do. A, a, a person, I don't think, would would not genuinely destroy their ship 
on the wild chance that they might find mercury somewhere. Because right? mm. that's what he had to find to right. fix the fluid lamp. That's right. He had to find mercury. And I, I don't know about you, but my entire life I've never seen mercury in the wild. No, uh, it, it's not grown. That's for darn sure. I think the doctor was really hoping uh, – well, if I do remember right. It's been a long time since I've seen the Daleks. But if memory serves, he did feel that he could find some in that city, which is – In the city. That's right. There must be some in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it must have mercury. Well, it must have mercury. Maybe, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, it's, it's maybe a, not. It's a modern city, so there's 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 uh, modern technology. Yeah, mm-hmm. they must have mercury in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that's what he was, you know, pinning all his hopes on, at least with that excuse. Okay, uh, one more um, one more pick. Actually, it just occurred to me, and I'm sorry about it, but okay. So we know that. One of the reasons that the doctor figures it out is because there is a replacement ship coming, which the survivors of the space station instantly think is a rescue ship, but then they realize that it's too soon, and they check it out, and it turns out it's really their replacements. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we, we agree that that's what, what we were presented in the episode? That's pretty much what I thought. What would you think if you were a replacement and you showed up on the station and had... and found that basically that all the suits had killed him. Um, wow. That, uh, well, hmm. What would I think? Um, is somebody punishing me? I mean, really, that'd be the first thought that'd run through my head. You're like, uh, okay, maybe this was a bad assignment. Okay, uh, ship, you know, jump on the ship, run away. If ship Which is still apparently there. would, be, apparently the ship leaves because they didn't have a ship to escape. Right. So... Uh, we're going to drop you off here and not have an escape. Yeah, yeah kick, kick yeah, you out the you know, out the airlock. You know, have a Ships nice are time. Expensive. We can't afford to waste uh, waste yeah. having one sitting out here for you. Yeah, fuel is expensive too. Miners. So so we're ju- we're just going to barely slow down, throw you out the airlock, and uh, have a fun time. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. I am skimming my. Gimme notes. Um, my scanty notes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The, yep, I got nothing else. I have nothing else. I mean, there's there's really not much else to chat about. I mean, one, the only interesting thing, um, obviously, as we said, you know, the, the doctor appears to still be blind. I didn't like the way that was directed. I, well, the thing, the thing that bothered me is when he's in the TARDIS, Supposedly We're cured of his, his blindness, uh, he's acting. You know, he he's walking he around the target. Oh, yeah, he he could see. He can absolutely see. Yeah. There's, so there's what is this? No doubt. So well, and we we see through his point of view as Nardole shining the light in his eyes and bringing right. his vision back. So I I I just. Is I it, didn't like it, can the way he, they did that. Can he only see in the TARDIS, but not outside? I mean, unless this is something that is going to be addressed in the next episode. I, I'm almost thinking that that. Well, that can't possibly be that haphazard. That, you know, Jamie Matheson wrote the story, fixed him, and at the end of the episode, he's done. And then Moffat wrote the last sequence and said, hey, well, let's just make him blind again. Well, that is possible. But, but I, I hope you know, not. I, I, don't, I don't really think that they're that. I mean, they must plan these episodes out far enough in advance that, that you couldn't have two episodes back-to-back where, you know... 
one writer decides to make the doctor blind and then bring his vision back. And then in the next episode, the doctor needs to be blind for some reason. And you suddenly go, oh, well, let's just uh, let's just merge the two. We'll add this tag uh, here and, and so that yeah, yeah. we got something to yeah, go that, to I, next. I, I don't think so. I mean, for all the guff that Moffat gets a lot of the time, you know, I, I just – I'm going to come down on the record here that I really am a fan of a lot of the work that Moffat has done. Uh, a lot of his Doctor Who episodes have really been a fan of. And like I said, other things that he's done like Coupling and some other shows that I've seen, I really – enjoyed and and i know that the man can make incredibly intricate farces i mean yes i i challenge you to look at the episode of coupling where uh jeff has got one too many legs find find that episode watch that episode and watch how beautifully all those pieces fall together by the end of that episode to just absolutely destroy everything. I mean, it's it's brilliant in, in the comedy. And he has several episodes that are like that, where he just has, he sets up all the pieces brilliantly and then knocks them over one after the other. And you just, and suddenly you start to see it, you know, as the cascading wave of collapses comes towards the end, suddenly you're going, oh, and then, and then, oh, yeah, oh. Wow. Okay. Should have seen that coming. Didn't see it coming. So I know he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has not been in evidence in his Doctor Who work so far. Um, with you know, with a few exceptions, Blink is a good example. Blink is an excellent example. It's an excellent example. But when he gets over the the overarching one, it just hasn't worked. No. So far, and you know, I, I'm hoping that we've we've got a beat, but I. You know, I, I genuinely don't think that he's as haphazard as we just speculated, that he just, like, tacked that on at the end and said, yeah, okay, great. No, I, I just don't believe it. I just find it odd that they, you know, they, if they really knew he was blind, Capaldi's performance should have been different in the TARDIS. On my second viewing, after they cure his eyes, even though we see through his point of view, which, you know, is a directorial choice, is a bad one if you're going to pretend like he's still blind. Mm-hmm. When he stands up and he's walking around the TARDIS, I was paying very, very close I attention too, on the uh, second watch. Yes. And he can see. Oh, he can clearly see. Move, his eyes move to the people he's talking to. He, he doesn't have to have them talk before he responds to them. No, he absolutely oh, he saw. can see. The, yeah, I saw. I I. I paid very close attention to that the second time I watched it as well and was really dismayed at the fact that he could clearly see. And now someone is going to say that he had a relapse. That, that's what we're going to get. Between the time he got them home, got them to home office, read the screens, did all the stuff to transport him, gets back to the university. I don't know. Wake, well, he doesn't sleep. So, But, you know, next morning, oh, can't see anymore. Put on the sonic shades and, uh, and sit at the desk. But, you know, that's I, – I, I would have preferred to see it him lying to Nardole. Yeah, I can see everything's better. And he's in the TARDIS, which is his home turf, and he should be able to, you know, kind of walk around the TARDIS and fake it. Yeah. But we should have seen it in his performance that uh-huh. he would be like, I'm not looking at you until I hear your voice. I don't turn my eyes to you. They, you know, they're straight ahead, whatever whatever had to be. And for a moment, I thought he was going to do it, because when he got up and he touched the TARDIS console after standing up, 
I thought, oh, oh, they actually did do this. And then he pulled his hand away, and that was the end of it. Well, keep in mind uh, something that uh, Capaldi said in regards to why he's leaving Doctor Who. And part of his reason, and that might, uh, th- this might be a reason uh, as to why he played the way he did in the TARDIS. He said that he gets these scripts really, really fast. He has no time to adequately prepare for them as an actor. And it's very possible that he just did not, that maybe the doctor was meant to be blind this entire time, including that period inside the TARDIS, but Capaldi blew it on the performance because of lack of preparation on his part. He has has said that's why he's leaving the show, because he feels like he just cannot prepare for the role well enough because of the shooting schedule. But the director could have helped, you know, say, hey, you know, Peter, you're supposed to be blind. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I just think that was a little uh, a missed opportunity. You know, I, I, you know what they say. Uh, a lot of people say this. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't buy into this notion that Doctor Who these days is made for multiple viewings so that you pick up more layers as you go. Not I always. Like to, I like to catch all my layers on the first go through. And, uh, and I like to watch things closely enough that I pick things up on the first go through. But upon occasion, upon occasion, when you know the end of a story and you watch it again and you see a couple things that were along the way that – we're foreshadowing it and you didn't pick it up. I can appreciate that. Right? That 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 does I don't want to I don't want to be things missing. I don't want something to have to watch it the second time to understand it because that's wrong. But to watch it a second time and get a slightly greater appreciation of it or appreciation of some of the things that happened earlier that seemed incidental and it turned out they weren't. Um I I like this would have been a perfect opportunity for that. And uh you know that was that was one that watching through on the second go. It's like, yeah, I'm sure we're going to see that now because <laughs> they fooled us and they didn't. So, okay. Well, listeners may have noticed that my voice sounds a little funny. That's because I am uh, I am uh, ill, and so uh, we may just cut this one a little short tonight. I think just a little. Got anything else? Just a little. But still, five for five. Yes, absolutely. Strongest season of Doctor Who since since it returned. I would so love nothing would make me happier. Well, there's actually there's a, well, yeah, I was going to say tw- I was actually a lot of things would make me happier. Um, is it twelve or thirteen this year? I think it's thirteen. Or is it thirteen with Christmas? It may be thirteen with Christmas. Hmm. But I yeah, would be. There's no chance Christmas will be thirteen for thirteen. Well, it's it's hard to say. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going on about what episode thirteen is going to be, or, or the Christmas episode will be. So we'll just have to wait and see. In any event, I would be very, very happy if Capaldi's you know, send-off series could be one where everyone was you – know, every episode was a hit. And I might also add, uh, I just read an article earlier tonight that Michelle Gomez, who plays Missy, will also be leaving the show. She will it turns n- out she's the master before John Sim. Uh, well, maybe. Who knows? No, we know that's not so. Unless it's before Derek Jacoby. Okay. We could do that. But we could bring Derek Jacoby back for a while. Uh, but I, w- I wouldn't mind that. Although he's getting... Yeah, 12. Yeah, he's getting a bit long in the tooth. In any so. event, however, uh, Michelle Gomez has stated that she is, after this season, she will not return to Doctor Who as Missy. 
maybe on a one-off, much in the same way that John Sims is. Yeah. But she will not be returning regularly as Missy the Master. Well, she's uh, she's good friends with Stephen Moffat. That might be why. That's part of the part of the reason I think she is because um, she you know she's married to uh, the star of Coupling. Ah. So uh, you know she would have she's had years of of um, knowing Moffat. So that you know that could be part of it. Could be that she did it because he asked her to. Possibly. And you know who knows some uh, the other guy might tempt her back. Chibnall might be able to tempt her back for an episode here and there, but you know, um, why not keep throwing new masters out there? Why not? Yeah, they're going to keep doing it to the doctor every three years. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Ben, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.